Until we came back, uh, but we are back. Welcome to another, yet another episode of Twitching Upstream, uh, which is my favorite Tuesday show, uh, in which both me and Don are on. Uh, if you don't know, this is a, uh, a like a side project of one of our other shows called Talking Upstream, and we on that show we kind of interview creatives, get their ideas, their creative processes, and then uh, pitch ideas to them, and then we make up something together. What we decided to do was instead of just keep creating more and more content, that we would show people how we take a weird concept and then turn it into something that we can produce, something that we would turn into a podcast similar to uh, Silicon Angels, maybe a podcast similar to Create Your Own Pod Venture, uh, maybe a podcast similar to Podcast Podcast, a podcast mm -hmm. show. Either way. Uh, we like to create stuff and we like to get people's input. So at any time, if you're watching this and you like uh, where things are going, or if you have a suggestion for uh, different parts of the story, throw it in the comments, let us know. Uh, we would appreciate it. Um, without further ado, I'm Zach and uh, he's Dylan over there on that side. And uh, we are some nobodies. We uh, create content. We, we, uh, we make stuff. Uh, not money, but we make things. No. We make... Not yet. We make blank papers unblank. That's on you. That's on you. Yeah. Were you me? No, I'm pointing at the viewer. Oh, the viewer. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, a little bit later on, yeah, we also have a Patreon. If you do want to help us out, we do have some friends that really, uh, really motivate us to, to keep going. Yeah, Sarah Tkachik. You got Tonya Sheck. Uh, you got some other great people, and Jeff Dwoskin and Scott Curtis. All those beautiful, beautiful folks. Folks. Uh, you're really, you're really chewing that L. Well, it's just a weird word because, like, it's like music, but it's also people. Yeah, but it's not people of that music. No, like there are folk people. Folk, folk. But if you just say like folks, that's just like yeah, people, humans. I yeah. guess. Um, but yeah. So before we get into the creation process, I always try to throw some nerd stuff at Dylan and try to get his point of view. Um, recently, I've been going through a lot of crazy things. Uh, I'm a big fan of conspiracies or, sure. or theories. Um, I've been trying to put together a Wes Anderson theory to see if those movies were linked somehow. Uh, the one that led me to that one was, uh, I was working on this Quentin Tarantino theory sure. about how all of his movies work together. Mm -hmm. Uh, did a lot of research on that, did a lot of work on it. Uh, turns out a lot of people have already done that. Oh. Um, but if you don't know what that is, there, there is this wild theory, um, <clears throat> that Quentin Tarantino eventually, uh, he, he, uh, cleared he okayed it he said it's, he confirmed it's, it didn't he, he said it's accurate yeah. uh that all the movies that quentin tarantino has a part of are one of two universes mm -hmm. there is the realer than real world and those movies are the ones where just humans exist and history is altered slightly but that's like inglorious bastards hateful eight uh pulp fiction reservoir dogs yeah uh true romance once upon a time in hollywood jackie brown okay but then there's also movies in that universe that those characters watch and those are the movie movies. 
Yeah. And those include like Kill Bill 1 and 2 from Dust Till Dawn, the Grindhouse movies, and okay. Natural Born Killers. Which if uh, any characters from the regular movies, the real world, were to go to movies, these are the ones that they would see. <laughs> yeah. And while thinking about a lot of these, I, I, I kind of found a bunch of links uh, to prove those theories are accurate. Cool. be natural killers right. uh michael madsen's character from reservoir dogs and john travolta's character from pulp mm -hmm. fiction are related uh as their names are victor and vincent vega uh crazy craig coons in django unchained is actually an ancestor of captain coons who's christopher walken's character in pulp fiction uh <laughs> which yeah. is weird uh <laughs> Pete Hickox, which is Tim Roth's character in Hateful Eight, is related to Michael Fassbender's Archie Hickox in Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Mr. White in Reservoir Dogs, whose actual name is Larry Dimmick, and he's apparently the brother of Jimmy Dimmick, who's also played by Quentin Tarantino in Pulp Fiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then you also have a couple things such as uh, the cafe that is in Pulp Fiction uh, was also in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, and the, the diamonds might be the Reservoir Dogs thing. There's also this crazy, um, like, if you look at brands, like the um, Red, Red Apple, Apple cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah. And there's also a couple of references to yeah. different things. Um, but there are some people, uh, the, the one that kind of gets me the most is Django Unchained. Uh, because even though there are some, like, references uh, to the, the, the real or the mm -hmm. real world, um, if you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Rick Dalton, plays a bunch of different characters. Okay, sure. One of which is kind of similar to uh, Mr. Candy from okay. Django. Sure. So they're saying that he is the same actor that made Django uh, for... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that, that movie is one of the few, uh, which is weird. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then... yeah. So how do you feel about people that, that put their movies in the same universe or that try to that try to link things instead of just also telling a story? Does that take away to you or does that do anything extra? I think Tarantino has done it more gracefully mm -hmm. than other people might be able to. Um, I think we are moving towards that being more common where movies from a particular filmmaker with a very strong stylistic vision are going to be more prone towards being asked to be or expected to be in a same in the same universe. Yeah. <laughs> um one that I was back in the day, Neil Blomkamp's movies, you can pretty easily read them as being in the same universe. Chappie, Elysium, uh the robot stylings between Chappie and the robot cops in Elysium are very similar. Yeah. Um the mechs in District 9 look like they could potentially have been scavenged by people to form the basis of Tetraval, which is a robotics company that appears in all three movies. Um, 
But talking about Neil Blomkamp makes me sad <laughs> <laughs> because he was so good, and then he was okay, and then he was not great, mm-hmm. and now he's okay. Yeah. Well, he's, no, he's... he did digital, digital, I don't... demonic. Uh... It's about the demon in the computer, AR. No, I don't. I don't. I haven't seen that. He had a new movie come out, mm. and apparently it's not very good. Yeah, uh, I'll watch it because. Well, he keeps turning down our offer to interview him. So yeah, that's eventually, true. that's true. Eventually, we'll maybe what be able to... does he have to stand on? I think um, it's pretty solid. No. <laughs> um, but when it comes to building up, like, things, I think you need to, if you want to have artistic integrity, avoid what Marvel is starting to do, where you have to watch everything to get the next thing. Right. And I am far more into the references which build a cohesion to the universe Mm. as opposed to everything is the same story yeah 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 i agree i think that if i think that if you are uh someone who does create a fictional world uh it it does maybe not make sense but i think it does add to a little bit Mm -hmm. it gives it some texture yeah if the different stories (laughs) and i think like what you're saying you don't need to just make it so that you have to watch every one to be able to understand the other ones. Mm-hmm. But when you do watch something like when you watch a Kevin Smith movie and you realize yeah. that uh, the funeral they're going to in Clark's is the girl that died in Mallrats, which is why that movie exists, yeah. uh, it doesn't mean much, but it gives it just another layer of, oh, cool, I'm paying attention and I was rewarded for paying it attention. Does reward, it does reward people who pay attention to it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that I think that we naturally do that in our stories. They yes. kind of all sit kind of in the same world. Uh, we use sim- it's There's a difference, I think, between establishing a shared universe and making references to certain things. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of the time in anything I write, if I need a modern-day band... The name Nightshade Table oh, yeah. is used. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily imply that all of them take place in the same setting. It just means that if you if you pay attention to what we make, you will catch little mm-hmm. self references. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I mean Marvel is is the outlier where they've they've leaned on it so heavily that now it's a crutch. Like now you have to buy the Disney Plus. Uh, to watch the movies that give you the intro to the new bad guy or else you might not understand mm-hmm. what they're going on. So, uh, yeah, I just f- I find it interesting that Tarantino does take the time to link those things together uh, because if if Inglorious Bastards is, in his world, the real universe, mm-hmm. that means that Hitler died in that crazy way yes. uh, in, <laughs> in the fire, and that means that everything after that has the knowledge that Hitler was... Which is why he says yeah. that his movies are ultra violent because World War II ended in one of the most ultra violent yes. ways, and that led Americans to be way more ultra violent. Yep. Uh, which I think is pretty interesting, and uh, I guess the way you can tell is if a character may have a superpower. It's a lot deeper of a commentary than I expected from someone who is such an idiot as Tarantino. An idiot? He's not I a film idiot. I don't mean idiot in like an intellectual way. I mean idiot in the way that. He does his own thing, and damn the consequence. Damn what other people say. Yeah, yeah. Like, a, like a, an idiot in the cosmic kind of like um, philosophical sense. Mm. So just like almost naive. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, speaks before he thinks. Yeah, I think. Which, if in... you watch interviews with Tarantino, 
Yes, but he he does sometimes go back and say, "Well, I was stupid that I said that." Uh, True, but he yeah he isn't known to do that. He he is <laughs> slightly holier than thou. But I mean, he did sculpt cinema today, so um, yes, you know when it comes to his movies and his creations, I am a mega fan. What's your favorite Tarantino movie or project? I guess Hateful Eight. Yeah, so it does. I it doesn't take long for me to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, part of it is the appeal of the western. Mm-hmm. I, I like westerns. Part of it is Tarantino's style applied to it's it's a it's an intersection of multiple things I really like. Yeah, uh, Tarantino doing a western. The cast is great. I love Walter Goggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Kurt Russell doing what he's doing. I like all of the surprises that come from it. Um. I like that it's effectively a bottle movie mm-hmm. where it's almost entirely in one episode, in one location. I like that it's a whodunit. I like that it doesn't rely super heavy on continuous violence, but instead has like a few moments of very, very gratuitous. Tarantino is a real Jack Billings type from My Neighbor Michael. Okay, all right. Uh, no, he's more of a he's more of a neighbor <laughs> Michael type. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I think Hateful Eight combines a lot of things that I really like in a package from a director I really like. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. Uh, it. I. It doesn't feel its length to me, hmm. which was an issue I had with Django. Yeah, which is weird because they were originally written to be uh, a sequel to each other. Like, really? uh, yeah, I think I, ha- see that. I think Hateful Eight was supposed to be a sequel to Django. Yeah, uh, but hmm. then once trying to kind of figure it out, yeah. So Hateful Eight started as a sequel to Django, but there's actually no direct connection between the two movies anymore. Um, but you can still see that they could exist in yeah. the same place. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think if you do it in a way where you're, like I said, you're rewarding uh, the audience members for paying attention. Um, I think the problem is a lot of movies today really dumb down uh, their content and they really treat the audience members kind of stupid um, in the hopes of just getting the storyline across, sure. you know, and they, they retell a story over and over again and they do that uh, tell instead of show you things and that's annoying. Whereas- Red Flanagan thinks Kill Bill Volume 1 is the best. Because it is a cultural phenomenon aesthetically, had some badass multimedia integration with the animation, and he thinks is the best narrative pacing Tarantino's ever done. I really like Kill Bill Volume 1. Love it. Uh, Volume 2 is also very good, but Volume 2 asks more of you emotionally. Yeah. Volume 1 is like violence and action and style. Yeah, Volume volume 2 is almost a cartoon. It's all the catharsis. Yeah. Yeah, Vine Two. It's it's the it's the the furthering of uh, mm-hmm. the separation it of reality, it. right? Uh, yeah. Well, there's more emotion to it, but yeah, one one is a, it is a better movie. Kill Bill Volume One is easier to rewatch than Volume Two. Now, I think Kill Bill Volume Three should be his final movie sure. because if you think of the actual timeline, mm-hmm. uh, it is that time since in one yeah. she met Black Mamba's daughter. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be super super dope. I I think that is the most sensible way. To yeah. do a Tarantino send off, I don't see him actually retiring at any point. I think him, he's probably going to do. Um, is it Miyazaki who does Studio Ghibli? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I see him doing that. Where if he retires, he'll come back. Yeah, um, th- there is thought that his 
one of the movies that he's talking about doing as his 10th would be similar to a sequel of Django, where it's Django meets Zorro. And then it's a team-up movie of them two, which right. sounds pretty cool. Sure. Um, there were there were talks of him doing a Star Trek movie for a long time, he and was, I never took that seriously. Uh, he was serious talks about he it. Was and he was serious eventually about quit. doing it. Yep. I don't see them seriously letting him do it. Uh, Money or Michael says, uh, I'm exactly the opposite on Django Hateful. I love Django. Hateful it seems like it takes forever. Hateful does have uh, the, the pacing is slower, but I think it's on purpose. I think that in Hateful Eight, uh, it, it is supposed to drag you out. It, it is set Hateful in, Eight is a mystery sus suspense, kind of. It's it's fairly suspenseful. You, you got a bunch of people who are at odds with each other. I think it's, in it's a the tension, location. it's that yeah. tension, and uh, yeah. and he loves tension. <laughs> He loves mm -hmm. sitting in tension, and this is a movie where he makes you sit in that tension for about two hours before crazy and, stuff happens. And also, he does his own thing where he the only time he breaks in with narration is like, unbeknownst to so-and-so is someone. While yeah. they were all watching him play, someone poisoned the coffee. Red Flanagan says, Kill Bill 3 would really put the Linkletter boyhood. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> you don't like it, but it took 19 years to make it. Instant Oscar. Yeah, I, I, I can't disagree with that. Tarantino? He has an Oscar. He has an Oscar. Pulp Fiction won. Okay. Uh, Pulp Fiction won over Ed Wood, and I think that was... Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Is that the... That was Best Actor, I think he won. I'm not sure if Tarantino has won himself. All right. Because it would have been for Pulp Fiction and nothing after that. I don't, I don't think. think so. Yeah. Uh, I know his movies have won. Yes. Um, because the one year the Ed Wood, uh, Walter, uh, uh, Martin Landau. Okay. Yeah. I almost said Walter Matthau. That would have been wrong. Martin <laughs> Landau uh, was up for best huh. actor. I uh, thought about how similar those names are. <laughs> yeah. And weirdly, yeah. un but also kind of similar people yeah. uh yeah anyway so I, i'm a fan of tarantino stuff i'm a fan of people that put things in for people to pay attention yeah. to uh, i'm a fan of of people that do not disrespect or talk down to their audience members uh some of them are smart yeah. you know, go at it yeah why not? um all right so what we do in this show is we we take one of our projects that we most likely i sent to dylan via text message at a very weird hour um let's see red flanagan says hateful eight is tarantino's best character piece i disagree um <laughs> it is almost uh novelistic in the way it develops each character so deeply and when one dies it feels impact uh yeah that, i mean that that is true yeah. it's just as impactful <laughs> as game of thrones um but i will say that his smartest movie is django unchained uh the way that he subverted uh, uh viewers expectations and uh opinions of slavery the way that, that oh, sure. jamie fox took a lot of the same things mm -hmm. uh the way that he shows um that uh jamie fox has a better vocabulary than any other white person even the one guy candy who yeah. speaks in french but doesn't like to be spoken to in french um i think that that is absolutely his smartest movie uh to date it's been a long time since i've watched django unchained we should watch it right now uh the build-up and payoff of hateful eight is incredible definitely in the top three yeah 100 definitely in the top three films uh i've watched that movie many many times i actually mm -hmm. caught a traveling uh tour of the 70 millimeter version which i very generously gave Dylan uh, <laughs> yes. a, a film cell of. Um, but yeah, I, I'm mega fan of Tarantino. Uh, I worked in Blockbuster when Reservoir Dogs was just getting taken off. Uh, True Romance is my favorite movie of all time, which is written. Uh, that's a very cool story of how that movie was made. Um, they actually wanted to buy three movies of Tarantino, and he was like, no, you can have one, uh, and I get to make Reservoir Dogs. And they're like, all right, well, I want True Romance, which yeah. is why Tony hmm. Scott did it. 
All right. Um, Ruff says, I think Hateful Eight, uh, Django, or Once Upon a Time in Mexico, or <laughs> no, no, way wrong director. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could all go head to head for most intellectual of his filmography. Um, yes, maybe not Once Upon a Time as far as intellectuality goes. I think it's a beautiful movie and it captures what men like about cars and what it was like uh in hollywood at that time um but i will agree 100 with once or with django and hayfleet okay now let's get on to the creation part because sure. this is what dylan uh seeds for he seeds oh. for creation uh we've been working on a project in a second i'll get i'll let dylan kind of uh talk about that and where we are but like I said earlier, at any point, if you have any suggestions on where this story should go or anywhere whatsoever, please throw it in the comments and let us know because we love you and we think your brain is super cool. So uh, take it away, Mr. Dylan. Yeah. So uh, what we do here is expand. We expand on the very brief outlines that we would make during talking upstream. And in this way, we get a more detailed outline because I am a detail-oriented and outline-motivated writer that's true i work best with detailed kind of like duh, 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 and that way i can go and it veers off and veers back in and stuff like that uh what i really want to see is tarantino tackle is an examination of how dragons feel about cars we're not going to talk about red flanagan's obsession with dragons and cars i can't see tarantino's vision of a dragon like i i honestly cannot it would be I, w- I would like to see him do more genre stuff like that. that yeah, I mean, I guess the closest he gets is from Dusk of Dawn, kind of. Um, but that's him writing mostly the first part. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, he definitely doesn't go... And that's why I would really love to see the Star Trek thing. Yeah, because yes. I was his, curious about it more yeah. than anything else. Because like a futuristic, robotic, any kind of fantasy thing uh, in his eyes, I think, would be cool. Because yeah. honestly, if you watch his... He had like a three-part CSI. Yeah. Where he like wrote and directed it. And it is some of the intense... It's a rule thirty-four joke, Zach. There's a there's a uh, there's a jokey subculture about dragons and cars that we're not going to get into on this show. What's rule thirty-four? <laughs> dragons would be eighty percent feet. That is so true. He yeah, we would be like, what feet are these? And then like an hour later, it would just eventually pan up to a dragon. Uh, rule thirty-four of the internet mean is that if it is on the internet, there is pornography of it. Oh. And he wants pornography of dragons and cars? Dragons making love to cars. Oh, sexy but dragons on cars. Uh, less, a more vulgar way of expressing that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I never thought about Tarantino just staring at dragon feet. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, if it exists, there is porn that of That is it. rule 34 of the internet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, now I know. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know. I've only yeah. read up to like no, rule six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that yeah. Six <laughs> is creepy. Um all right, so yeah, so Dylan's gonna take it away and what we've been doing. Go ahead. Sure. While uh the chat goes on talking about rule thirty-four, I am going to continue with what the show is about. We are expanding an idea we talked about on a previous episode where we had the two folks who helped write the faculty on. Yeah. We talked about an idea where a guy in an apartment complex full of zany wacky complex characters develops an ability to not an ability a machine mm-hmm. which can passively skim people's thoughts and prints out like a like a thought cloud mm-hmm. you know how they had those like word clouds for a long time that were trendy on the internet oh yeah where it was like the bigger the word the more occurrences it had yeah and it was probably it would probably print something off like that where it's a collection of just kind of disorganized thoughts and it prints off like a bio code that mm-hmm. you can identify the person by not their name because <laughs> unless they think of their name etc right um <coughs> oh excuse me um, and we called this hesitantly 
complex paranoia. Yeah, because they're in a com- they're in an apartment complex. Yes, and there's paranoia. Yes. <laughs> I'm working on the Rule 34 <laughs> slash fic of uh, you wouldn't be the first one, I'll tell yeah. you, because we got some already, and it's gross. Uh, Just so you know, Michael, I have a five pack, not a six pack. It's genetic. Yeah, I have a one pack. So collectively, <laughs> we have abs, which is great. <laughs> uh, anyway, here is the Google Doc that we're using to develop this idea. Um, you can see right here, we've got kind of a really rough one third outline mm-hmm. because we realized partway through putting out the plot that this is going to be effectively a murder mystery. Yeah. And in order for a good murder mystery, you need a good cast of characters. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did the last week. We have our little list of characters here. Comes out do, to. Do you think it's better that the murder has already been done and the person's thinking about it, or do you think it would be a murder mystery if it were a future murder? That is a good question, and I think that's something we should probably figure out today. Okay. Um, I think today we need to come up with some a uh, rough plot outline. That we can fill in. Love it. Rough. Love I don't it. think we need to do super detailed stuff, but I think we need to come up with kind of what happens. And the original outline, because it was such a, we had we were having a good discussion with the two guys um, that we didn't get too much story development in, just because they had a lot of really good stories that we asked them about. Yeah, that was probably one of our craziest episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah those two guys. Yeah, Mr. Kimmel had some of the coolest stories. Uh, that we could have imagined, especially coming from the guys who wrote The Faculty, which yeah. I, I love that movie, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what we got here? <laughs> Mr. Panzu says, uh, it could be that someone thinks about stuff like that. Someone dies. Character assumes that was a murder, but it wasn't <clears throat> yet. Love it. Interesting. Love it. Okay. Potentially. Yeah. All of this is all potential. Yeah. But the original idea we had was that there a murder happens. They they sense that it's they they get the thing that it happened, and then it happens. Yeah, he Red Flanagan makes a good point in saying that Minority Report has kind of cornered the future murder concept. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Okay, so the the thing about Minority Report, which I do love that film, yeah. uh, I think it's very cool, and that is. Um, yeah, I, I guess that is kind of the same thing. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, this This. This is more... Uh, to me, Minority Report was like, they'd find a person and they're like, you're going to commit a crime. That person's like, I would never do that. Sure. Uh, and in this, it was like, this guy's like, I'm going to kill her tonight. I'm going, I'm going to, to kill, kill her tonight. So if they ever find him, they'd be like, you're going to kill somebody. And he's like, well, that... I think uh, it depends on the story. Yeah. Because if it is... But I agree. A- any kind of hint of that would go Minority Report. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, this would have, it would effectively turn it almost like a pre, uh, precog to the precogs. Yeah. Um, but if it is a current murder, then what we would need to do is have a certain number of people because we have everybody locked, kind of locked in the apartment complex due to the snowstorm that's going on. Yeah. And we would need some way for them to determine who's not there yeah oh that's and right figure out who the victim is versus who's just not in the building yeah the victim and also the person yeah because if it was if it was during the party and the murder had already happened yeah. then we would know who wasn't there uh panzu says or maybe the murder actually never happened but maybe the paranoia of people overthinking the machine causes someone to die by accident and then someone else thinks it's a murder but it wasn't oh that's not bad that's not bad uh, i like that and then um could be done in a way where even the audience thinks it was a murder until the very end. Yeah, that's actually kind of a cool idea. 
Um, yeah, so we have this party going on at the apartment complex, and we kind of set it up so some of the people uh, had reasons to not be there. There's a couple that's in a fight. There's someone who works a graveyard shift, and we're going to say that the murder happened right before the party, and then when the inventor of the machine gets back from the party, that's when they read all the readouts of everybody, mostly to see, like, what are these people saying about me? Uh, but then they're like, wait, there's this one ID code is keep saying like i gotta do something with the body i gotta get back to the party i killed someone i killed someone I killed yeah someone. oh my god i, I killed, killed someone yeah this punch is great i killed someone i killed someone i like that procession of events yeah he the the main character makes the machine uh thinks this is great we have a party i'm going to run it passively to collect thoughts from the party yeah the party happens main character kind of we learn who everybody is goes back and reads all the collected thoughts like oh man oh it doesn't identify who thought them it just assigns them a number yeah i guess that makes sense number so-and-so is thinking that they killed someone yeah Wait, what yeah i like that okay so uh mc invents mind skimmer sets it to auto uh social event happened go for it i'm gonna type this out yeah panzu says i like that idea because it's all about self-fulfilling prophecies and how dangerous assumptions can be yeah i agree assumptions can be dangerous yeah we do like to kind of work with perceptions and trying to alter perceptions of uh, of you know hey you shouldn't assume this uh you should you should never have got to that uh see so yeah, I, I agree uh they can be dangerous what are you doing already? i just tapped my mic accidentally well, don't don't do that Michael hates that. And he's going to start texting me. Uh, yeah, so I like this well, party I idea. Have we figured out all of um, the people that are at that live in this apartment complex? Yes. Okay, that's we, what we did last week. Cool. Um, <clears throat> Do we figure out what this party's for? Is it like a welcoming party for a new person? That way we do have that window character that we can kind of build universe into. It could be a welcome party for someone. I don't think we need that. I yeah. think this is just like like a graduation party either or like a graduation a... party or it's the holiday party for because it's set in december or yeah. it could be set in january yeah i think we said january we yeah. wanted it very cold uh yeah. nothing really happens in january yeah, it's very gray it's pretty um, gray we're setting it rural yeah we want a lot of uh yeah snow on the road we want uh, people are, that are stuck there are there yeah um and <laughs> wait a minute uh panzu says i'm getting some twilight zone vibes from this whole idea a little bit yeah i'm not bad uh, i i agree a lot of our stuff gets twilight zoning yeah uh yeah please stop tapping your mic dude i told you people are already I, upset I, about that uh red flanagan's Michael's upset about everything all the time uh, that's true wait till he starts hitting me up on whatsapp uh red flanagan says protagonist rents a stakeout apartment across the street to spawn residents as a rear window homage in act two to try to observe people and match thoughts to activities and get more info that's not bad yeah yeah that's i was bad. also trying to kind of work out of my brain how this number system would work do you think it would work in a way where the first thought that it logged it gave that person an id number or would it have always registered the distance that the thought is coming into the machine it could be distance i assumed it was literally just a generic number to differentiate who's thinking what right it doesn't it doesn't know to assign them a name well i guess what i'm saying is like in in the first way it would be this we would be able to tell the same person's thoughts we could link their thoughts to an yes. id number yes the other way it would be who's who just walked past my apartment who where is this machine and then maybe he would uh the inventor would need to carry this machine around uh to get to start understanding okay. how to get people's thoughts 
But I guess that would never give any evidence to anything. I feel like... So let's say it's an ID number. I feel the ID number is probably a little easier for the main character to use as a base for the puzzle. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean... We, we don't necessarily want to make it easier for the main character, but it would mean that we need to think of how they would use it in the second case to figure stuff out. You know what I mean? It makes yeah. our work easier I mean, if it's Other than the number. confession, but yeah, if they have an actual number and they go, well, it's definitely not 002 because that's my dog. If you made a thought skimmer and <laughs> I, you had I to have. register it, you had to make it, give it away for it to print out who did what, mm -hmm. would you base it on the same person thought this thought and it has an ID number or it is simply distance from the machine? I mean, I think that to be able to not only have a machine that can register thoughts, but also recognize that this thought comes from the same human being seems crazy to me. Really? Um, but also reading thoughts seems kind of crazy to me. So I, I guess this is just part of my, when I, when I have genre, there are certain assumptions I make mm -hmm. and my assumption would be like, it can identify the same source. Yeah, look, it, it doesn't not make yeah. sense, you know, sure. and, and obviously oh, yeah. distance makes it less make, sense. It doesn't make, it doesn't not make sense for it to be distance either. Yeah. Uh, I think it just depends on who we want the main character to be. I think for ease of story, let's make it an ID number. Okay. If something happens, we can change it because okay. that way he'll know, like, uh, once he figures out who's who, then he can go back through and read it all over again yeah. and try to figure out that code. Um, all right. So. So we had act one as. Main character building the thought skimmer finishes prototype. Mm -hmm. They call over a friend and ask if they can test it. I don't. I'm not sure why we had that in there exactly, I but I, I guess that also works. But what was the point of that? Um, uh, I I don't I don't remember. I think it was just we were spitballing. Yeah, I mean we could we could do that, and that would uh, lead us down the path of that it is. Uh, with an ID number yeah. um, to kind of just give us a, a rough, uh, just some rough facts on this machine. Um, Panzu says the testing is to demonstrate that it works. Um, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we like that. Uh, I mean, I think what we're trying to get to is once this party's over, the main character reading through all this stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, that's true. And also the audience and the main character. I, I agree with yeah. that 100%. So he, he invites a friend over who's also going to go to the party. Um, he wants to test out the thing with a control test. Mm -hmm. Finds out that it prints out. Um, and maybe we can even have like something there where the main character is like, oh, weird. I guess I just assumed it would have your name on here, but it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now you are <laughs> technically 002. Yeah. Um, I think that's cool. And so they're about to go to the party and now the friend and the main character are kind of amped because they now have a working thought skimmer. Yeah. So they're going to kind of go at it in the party also. Yeah. So I think it's kind of cool if the main character maybe has a bit of a buzz going back on, yeah. which might lead them back to, hey, let's go back and see what they're saying about us. You know, um, yeah. I think that's cool. So um, I think they go to the party while it's running. They kind of ask some leading questions for people because they see it's an ID system. Yeah. So sometimes they're like, and the questions can be, uh, we can make it as direct as, hey, can you think about an elephant right now? Yeah. Think really hard about an elephant. Well, they maybe they go in and they try to pretend like it's like some card, like, they're like, oh, we'll pretend to be like magicians. We're like, think of a card. Sure, okay. And yeah. then when they know it's a card thought, it's yeah. like, hey, think of an animal and I'm going to draw it for you. Uh, yeah. But that also... 
so that works on a couple people, I guess, and they can kind of figure out some of them what oh, some of the ideas. Some of these characters won't put up with the main character. Like yeah. some of these characters just don't like them, <laughs> and they also don't know who the friend is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they don't really know who the main character is yeah. that much. So a lot of this first bit is like the establishing stuff is going to the party. The inciting incident is leaving the party, going back to the apartment, and yeah, they see that someone has been murdered. Now, but we also have to have like weird things in the party, like people asking questions of yep. like, "Hey, where's uh, where's Josephine?" And they go, "Oh, you know that they work on the night shift." Okay. Um, <laughs> Red Flanagan says, "What if you reimagine the whole thing as a stage play, and the audience could text in thoughts?" Which would, which drove the actors to improv the story. I'm opting the ice ballet, right? The offer of okay. Uh, I am seeing. I don't mind that. I am seeing a minimal set. Yeah. With a big projector screen above the stage, there is someone. There is someone moderating the text messages before they're projected. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So okay. This is a stage play. Uh, we haven't done a play. I yet. have not done a stage. I have, yeah, I haven't written a stage play since high school. Yeah, I knew um, he was going to say since like '94 or something stupid. I wasn't in high school in '94. I'm in '912. Stage when, play worthy. When did you graduate high school? Like 2012. Uh, it was class of 2009. Hmm. I'm yeah. Those 09ers. Yeah, right. You can't trust those guys. Uh, Panzu says. Uh, well, if you do the card or elephant thing, you could make it so that only the main character and their friend knows about it. And maybe the machine was made in the first place because he wants to be a magician, mentalist, or something. Yeah, I don't mind that. We also said that they were trying to use this for social media influences, um, that some like big social media companies were trying to <laughs> just skim thoughts to know what the next current advertisement should be. Yeah. Uh, Panther says, and only later on finds out uh, someone finds out about the machine, but someone goes into the apartment secretly for some reason. I definitely don't mind someone trying to break into into his apartment to find out something. Because yeah. if he does start asking questions, they're going to be like, how would they know that? And then maybe the friend, uh, maybe they're like, they let it slip or something. I don't know. They could yeah, hint no, around or something like, hey, we have truth serum in our place or something. Snowstorm blow. Uh, snowstorm blows and should be the end of Act One, so that way they know they're trapped with a murderer in the apartment complex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the way we find that out is uh, maybe somebody asks where a very important person for the party is, and they'll be like, "Oh, they got stuck at work. They just called because the the snow, you know." And then the characters look outside and go, "Oh my god, we can't get out of here!" And yeah. there's a murderer here. There needs to be, <laughs> for the sake of the mystery, there needs to be like three or four people who are not at the party. Yeah. Well, yeah, we said that there's a person who working mm -hmm. night shift. There's yes. one of the couples that is, they're fighting. So they're both in and out of the party throughout. Um, there is maybe the friend. Oh, maybe the friend leaves the party right before the snowstorm. So maybe somebody's like, wait, was your friend? Who's your friend? Where'd they go? Yeah, and maybe okay. somebody was like, oh, maybe the friend uh, uh, died. Uh, Panzu says, um, yeah, maybe someone thinks that he has surveillance or something. Maybe someone else in the apartment has put cameras somewhere in showers and such and posted that on the internet and they suspect the main character did that because they know stuff they should. Yeah, that's uh, gross yep. and also fits the, the theory. Yeah, so one person who works here also has uh, cameras and they can even the say prepper. that. Because huh? the prepper keeps an eye on everybody. Yeah, or the maintenance guy. Or the maintenance they could think creep. Because they think it was the prepper. Um, and they're like, yeah, I found a camera like in my shower yeah. drain. And they're like, maybe he's asking questions. Like, yeah, that's actually a good point. Yeah, 
Thank you very much, Panzu. Yeah. Um, so I like that a lot. Um, yeah. And then, so we have to have probably, Oops. we need people to kind of come in and out of the party. And we also need people to have mm. never shown up. Yeah. So let's, let's figure out who the victim is. Uh, Red Flanagan says we need a red herring twist where he uh, misinterprets a slang term as something implicated. Uh, someone then finds out that it's something innocuous. Yeah. Like that. Um, as implication but it's innocuous yeah maybe maybe like one of the dudes is like super aggro like a toxic masculine and he's like oh dude i really slammed it you know I, one of the college I, kids i killed it i killed it i killed it <laughs> skin skinned it Ugh. does his friend leave or uh, his friend doesn't leave but appears to leave and then Partway through the second act, we realize that because I feel like the main character should have their ally there. You should have someone there that they know for a fact did not kill the person. Well, so I, I like the fact that everyone starts blaming. Like once they find the body, they're like, "Well, maybe yeah. it was your friend." They were the one asking all those weird questions. Do they find the body, or do we not know who died? Uh, we don't know who died just yet, but I think eventually we'll find a body because I think the big mystery is who did it. Yeah. Um, Flanagan says, like, I always thought uh, glizzy is what Snoop Dogg would call a Glock, but it's actually a hot, a glizzy. <laughs> Slurp, Never heard that term. Slurping down some glizzies. Yeah, uh, yeah there was a, a, couple years, on a, glizzy dog. a couple years ago, I was trying to, like, invent this new word. I was like, oh, if I could think of, like, a new word. Such a uh, thing. And, I know. And it was, it was squeam. I was like, oh, maybe if I put a weird <laughs> connotation to the word squeam, then it ended up being, like, a... Kind of a sexual thing, so no uh, way. Yeah. A word like scream? What, what you said? No way. Like I'm like I. My first thought of most things is sexual, which is not. It, it's not true. Of course, it is. Like ten years ago, actually, I wonder if it's still on YouTube somewhere. Oh, okay. That's weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we we called ourselves. We were in an improv group. We called ourselves featuring Table Eighty. Really? Yeah. Hmm. We were the man's department <laughs> because uh we were at Cole's once. The and man's department. We were at Cole's once and. Uh, they had put a really like a printed out like a scrawled on paper sign over like for inquiries about tuxedos, please inquire at the man's department. And we were oh, like, yeah. the man's department. That's and that's what we called our little like, comedy group. And we were we were of course anybody could be in it if you were willing to be funny. Yeah, that's kind of how our group was. Our group yeah, we called it featured table eighty because we all worked at a restaurant. Oh sure. And if it was a super nice day, the owner would be like, put the table outside, make there's a table outside. We're like, hmm. well, what do we call this table? And I'm like, this is table eighty. And we're like, oh, today we're featuring table eighty. And that's a good name of, for an improv troupe, actually. Uh, I liked yeah. it. Uh my ear Michael says, Dylan, I heard sucking on glizzy dogs, and I appreciate <laughs> Thank dude, you, Michael. I'm yeah. glad you heard it. <laughs> he, yeah, dude, he will slurp down some glizzes. Glizzy's in yeah, uh, microseconds. I will always quote the boss. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> Bruce Springspe Springsteen. Sucking on a chili Bruce dog outside the Tasty Freeze. Is that him? No, that's that's a melon camp. Oh, that's a cougar. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a cougar. Right. If I ever heard one, I don't uh, know my blue collar rock like a dad rock people. From you definitely, the 80s. you definitely don't. But I can't. You do, dif you, can you differentiate them? Yeah, of you course can, I can. Because I, you're, I just you were did. born in like. 1800. I was born in 1800. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm literally 200 and uh, 20 some years you old. You look great. Thank you. Except the way you dress. That won't. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we shoot this top up. <laughs> Nobody needs to see what's going on down there. Yeah. Maybe it's not talking about it. All right. Uh, so, which one of these characters is the victim? Can um, we go through our characters real quick? 
Yes, I, I think it may be one of the, the one of the couples, not the older couple. I think the, the couple that's fighting. The original idea was that it was the it was one of the members of a young unmarried couple. Yeah, there there should be a couple that's fighting. Um, yes, and then we have the large family, and I don't necessarily. Uh, no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to kill a large family person. I'd rather have. Is there a ghost? What are you looking at? You didn't hear that? No. Oh well, because you're in a different location. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tropical. No, I don't. I don't want the family. I don't like that family thing. Uh, unless the entire family dies as soon as they uh, order each other gifts. Gas in the mail. leak. <laughs> no. no. Um, I think that it should be a, a couple that is that is fighting because mm-hmm. we need to elude that once they find that person to go, well, you guys were fighting. That would make the yeah. most sense. And they go, yeah. I, I, I didn't do it. The original outline we did on, on talking upstream was that it was one of, it was one of the members of the young unmarried couple yep. who their Ooh. alibi was, um, no, they, <laughs> I don't think so. The alibi or a reason that they weren't immediately suspicious of the disappearance is that they, they were going on a trip anyway. Yeah, they were leaving. And they left before the blizzard. Oh, so they're both gone. One of no, one of them left. One of them was going to leave town. Okay. And do something. We yeah. didn't come up with an alibi. They are killed by the partner. Okay. The partner still implies that the person left town. And the goal was that they would disappear when they were on their vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, but now, they but they also are not the one who murdered their, their partner. Okay. All that is still true. I like all that. Okay. Uh, and I, because I, I think that we need a couple people that quickly they're like, well, it's obvious this person, and they're like, you weren't even at the party, and it turns out that he was like having an affair with somebody else. Okay. And he's like, well, I can't, I can't really tell you what I was doing because, like, maybe he was having an affair with like the 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 family, the family mother or something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or a robot. An ex, an affair. Whoop. And they're like, well, maybe we should just ask that silicon angel that lives in apartment three B. <laughs> when we were talking about awkward shoehorning earlier today, yeah, that's that's an example. I don't think so. Okay, maybe we could ask the apartment's neighbor, Michael. <laughs> um. So, the victim is unmarried couple person number one. Mm-hmm. Cool. They are not murdered by un- unmarried couple person number two. Correct. Who are they murdered by? You want me to give it away already? I think we need to know before we write the rest of this. Let's say it's like the old, the old hippie guy. One of the de- the old deadhead. Yeah, who okay. maybe gets a like a really like he finds like an old batch of like acid. Uh, oh, like Mandy style. Yeah. Bad LSD. Yeah, maybe get some like real old bad LSD. Um, that maybe like the college kids sold him because they thought it was funny. Oh, all right. And cool. He, and he eats like uh tide pods and does that crazy thing. Uh, <laughs> Ponzu says it was Nosferatu. Silly Nosferatu. Silly Nosferatu. Uh, uh, fun fact. We have another story going on where Nosferatu is a character who can <laughs> smell the future. Um, and they're, they're the Nostradamus. No, there was the son of Nostradamus. Oh, right. Yeah. Nose, Nosferatu was the son of Nostradamus. He smells, he feeds on the scent of blood. Uh, Red Flanagan <laughs> says, Dylan writing MC makes me think mm-hmm. of a rapper. I'm MC protagonist. And I'm here to say all these other important lines got to play. I don't know. I, I really thought what he was saying was going to be a rap anyway. Uh, <laughs> 
this taking place in an apartment complex is getting close to IP theft. This isn't spooky uh, supernatural stuff. This is sci-fi techie stuff. Yeah, we're not going to talk about butts and stuff I'm like about that. talking about ghosts. Yeah, Nobody's more, getting stabbed in the butt. It's more IP theft of Shyamalan stuff. Uh, yeah, it's than, closer than, to Lady in the Water. <laughs> yeah, also this is uh, this is clever, so it's probably nothing like what you do. Ooh, um, shots. I was shots, talking to Shyamalan. Shots, shots, He's in shots, the shots. chat, dude. He's blowing up our chat. Yeah. I just won't show any of that stuff. Because Shyamalan's got some weird emojis that I cannot understand. M. Michael Shyamalan. M. Michael Shyamalan. Uh, actually, I just said what you said, so that's funny. Um, all right. Uh, okay, so the old deadhead is a murder. College kids sold him tainted LSD, which caused him to have a bad trip. Yeah. And kill unmarried couple number one outside when they were waiting for, like, an Uber. So that way, unmarried couple number two doesn't know that they're dead. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Waiting and they still for left the airport shuttle because they were so, actually going on they were going on a trip to try to fix their marriage or their relationship uh being gone what oh both of them were going they on were both trip. originally they were both going to go on this trip uh to to fix their marriage okay right before that one of the partners starts cheating the other one was like i know you're cheating i'm gonna go anyway okay that's i okay. think i think that's a way to cool. to, 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 to do that um uh, obviously my neighbor michael says if this is late in the water i'm out uh it's not late in the water i was just trying to give you an example of what kind of apartment <laughs> complex not with ghosts and ghouly dongs ghouly dongs dongs of a ghoul dylan doesn't care about that whatsoever i'm focused i'm in the zone <laughs> auto zone um don't advertise for them they're not paying us uh uh, hey, if, if AutoZone wants to throw us some cash, I'll say that all they want. AutoZone? It's easy to say. Not now. Not until they pay us. Okay. Uh, so, we have the victim is unmarried couple number one. Mm -hmm. uh, they were Both of them were going to go on a trip to save their relationship. But unmarried uh, one, I'm just going to say UC1, learned of UC2's affair mm -hmm. and decided, screw this, I'm going on the, uh, I'm going on the vacation with yeah. my friend. Yep. Who lives in a different state? Who lives in a different state? Yeah, they're so they're a meet, model. You'll never you'll never meet them. We will meet at this. We're flying from JFK to Chicago to a layover. So and so. We're yeah. gonna meet in Chicago airport. Team up there, Windy City. That way, eventually, they get a call from the friend saying, yeah. "Hey, you see, one never showed up. Where is she?" Yeah, it's like and hey, that's I, kind of like okay. Yeah, it's like hey, the only number that I could find is to uh, the, the the main office. And they go, Whoa. and they go, is is so and so there? Because we're supposed to meet here. And they go, wait, they never showed up. I thought that. Bum bum bum. Panzu says, um, there's probably some rule thirty four of ghost dongs if that's what you're into. I'm not into it yet, uh, but I will look it up once the stream's over. Red Flanagan says, don't worry, Michael. They're only dipping their toes into leading the water. That's true. Um, more the the water part of that. Um, Okay. Unmarried couple two. Two. Okay. So what we're going to say is that the older dude left the party because he was having a bad trip. He's having a flashback. He's having a flashback yeah. of his time in Nam, which is not a war thing. He took a weird trip there in the 90s, and he had a bad trip there. And he keeps talking about his experience in Nam. People who weren't at the party and alibis. Yeah. 
Uh, Panzu um, says uh, there's probably also Rule 34 dipping toes into wet ladies if that's more your thing. Definitely is not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Mighty Michael says if you want to do ghost dongs, listen to Jack Billings presents a punk. Uh, you're really gonna. All right, this week is sponsored by Jack Billings presents. Me and my neighbor Michael uh, listen to Jack Billings presents haunted apartment complex. It's actually a show where two guys listen to a show that they do and tell you what happens in that. So please go check out that. I just want to point out this oh. is pretty, uh, people weren't at the party in their alibis. You see one going on trip was killed. Deadhead actively tripping is killer. Is killer. Yeah. 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 Um, we also have to have uh, the co- one of the college kids gets way too drunk and passes out and they can't find his body. Um, Pass out in. Uh, maybe uh, he's in like somebody else's apartment's bathroom. <laughs> Pass out like, an empty. When me, on. Un, unrented? What's the word for an Va- vacant? Uh, vacant. Yeah. So weird thing is, when me and my little brother would drink, uh, he was always afraid that he would fall asleep in the tub. So we would start drinking, and then I would promise him that I would fall asleep in the tub, <laughs> so that he would definitely not fall asleep in the <laughs> That's tub. That's cute. Uh, yeah. Until I actually broke into someone else's uh, hotel uh, room and fell asleep in their tub. Cool. Uh, thing of that. So, um, yeah. Just so you know, uh, Jack Billings presents Haunted Apartment Complex is now on Podmouth Network. Birth, birth kid two, uh, birth kid one, the older one. Yeah. Why not? We'll we'll say that the teenager. <laughs> All right, we got the, got the foster kids. Oh, the foster kids. Oh yeah, we'll we'll figure that out soon. No, it, it's just where the the foster kids are always like, we don't live here. Yeah, we don't live here. <laughs> yes, you yes you do. This is my ha- this is my family. Are you a cop? Because we don't live here. <laughs> it's like no, I'm not a cop, and I know you live here. I'm not a cop. I'm a cadet. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I don't speak French. So I don't know I don't what you're saying. Fr- it sounds cadet. It's a cadet. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like it's like a bidet, but it comes down. <laughs> it's just a shower. Well, it's just down your back. <laughs> oh, it's just a shower if you stand weird. What? <laughs> First kid one uh, sulking in room being emo. Yeah. Okay, but who so, did it? Who who killed it? Deadhead. Oh, the deadhead. Right. Um. Okay, so Which is, that's a bit more tragic than I think we went into. You kill someone on a bad trip, and then how do you react to it? Do you think it's all probably fake? poorly? Do you think it's do you, do you come out of that trip well, guilty, or do you think that it was all induced hallucinations? Because I would assume bad LSD. I would assume that you would, in your brain, make it make sense. Like yeah. whatever you thought you did yeah. is what you probably like, and then you wake up uh, at the end of it, and you're like, "Oh man, I really thought that I had." I thought for some I was reason, a snowman, ri- or it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and I took the head off the snowman. It was like a, I thought there was a like a, a Rita Hayworth poster, and I was ripping behind it to see if there was a hole, <laughs> oh, you know. And it's like yeah. just rip somebody's face off or something. Um, mm, yeah, I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah, we, we haven't got to that yet. No, but I think this is a good. I think this is a good progress for for the story we're doing. Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. Um, we also got to think of like why more people aren't at the party, why they leave the party momentarily. Um, I'm gonna write down next week. Next on week on Twoo. Twoo? Uh, twoo? Twoo? Twitching upstream. You're calling it Twoo? Uh, talking upstream was Tao. Tao and Twoo. You've never said this to me. I've never. No, but I abbreviated in our text messages T W U. I do you not. But you read that out loud? Like you read you it as not, a word? When you see abbreviations, do you not generally. Like NASA? No, I, I know. I, I, I say the whole thing. NASA? Nope. North American Space Administration? Yeah. It's not North That's American. That's not, it's not. It's National Association I, for Space Aer- Aeronautics. Aeronautics and, and Adventures. 
NASA Asa saw NASA off. NASA Asa saw, saw aliens. <laughs> NASA I saw aliens. All right, so yes, that's a good place to stop for right now. What we're going to do next week, uh, once NASA Asa saw some aliens, uh, which is uh, probably what we would name this if this were a podcast, podcast, a podcast show. Um, yeah. So once again, we want to thank everybody for paying attention and, and throwing anything in the chats. Red Flanagan, you're awesome as always. Panzu, we, uh, you're one of our new favorites. Thank you very much, especially for explaining what Rule 32 or 34 to me. Uh, Rule 32 is, is way different. Um, my neighbor, Michael, you are obviously a gem in our world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next week, what was that? Stinker. He is a stinker. He is a stinker. Are you calling me a stinker? Both of you. All of us. We're, we're all stinkers. All stinkers. Here. <laughs> if you're some nobody, you're probably a stinker. Yeah. Uh, so next week we're gonna uh, try to plow through more of this, get through um, the rest of uh, Act Two and Act Three. Try to um, see if we can find a different killer for this thing. Uh, Panzu says, <laughs> "Stinking up a storm." Pitching up stream, stinking up a storm. Uh, dude, I tell you, that's the best. Like, <laughs> that's not a bad title. It's a good sub subtitle. Um, if you want to see the stuff that we do, uh, if you're into uh, if you're into sex robots and the IT work that the has to go on the sex robots, you can always exactly. check. So oh yeah, make a heart. God, that's so weird. Backwards. Bing. Um, yeah, so Silicon Angels is a show that is pretty much how we started, and it's a show based on the IT phone calls of a sex robot uh, shop, and it's pretty much the found footage of those phone calls. Uh, really, really cool story. Uh, if you want to listen to more of the weird stuff we make, uh, uh, one of these things down here, the one that's right over here, is called Create Your Own Pod Venture, and Dylan wrote 18 episodes <laughs> of a kind of choose-your-own uh, path style where you listen to episode one and decide what you want to do with this cool new tech that you built, which are these headsets that tell you what you need. Um, we also have a podcast, podcast, a podcast show where we review seven podcasts at a time. And that's this guy uh, right here. We have a whole bunch of stuff. Literally yeah. open up anything and type in some nobodies except for only fans because that money goes to Dylan only and we're a team. Um, but yeah, once again, we love attention. We appreciate uh, anybody paying attention to us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Tonya Shek, Sarah Tukacic, uh, Jeff Dwoskin, Scott Curtis, those people, we would definitely want to thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for pushing us a little bit further to make sure that we keep creating cool stuff. Uh, we're working on our movie, Give Me Back, that's mm -hmm. still in post-production. Uh, we're waiting to get that back from the editor, so that's going great. And uh, if you want to hear us talk about strangers movies and sometimes our movies you can catch us over the real boys for a couple more episodes and then we're going to bring back everyone's favorite no time to binge um yeah. but uh dylan do you have any final words my friend take it easy out there <laughs> yeah. yeah take it easy out there uh but until next time next time guys i've been zach he's been dylan and you've been great yeah thank you very much Thank <laughs> you.